Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Sapient. Today on the episode, we have another guest and her name is Mikael. So, welcome Mikael, welcome to the episode. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Ganesh. So, yeah, could you please introduce yourself? Yes, so my name is Mikael. I am currently living in Tampa, Florida. I am actually Filipino. I was born in the Philippines and we immigrated to the USA when I was three years old. So and you are the first generation, is it? Um, second. So my parents came here. Yeah. And then, yeah. Got it. So um, you're still considered as Asian? Yes, I still consider myself as Asian. Mm. So, uh, yeah, could you please, you know, like, tell us more about yourself, you know, currently where, you know, where you're living and, you know, what's the local culture about your city? Sure. So I live in Tampa, Florida right now. It is on the East coast of the United States of America. And I live in a urban population of maybe a million or more than a million people. It's mm -hmm. heavily populated. Um, but we are one of the vacation destinations in the U.S. because we have a lot of beaches and Disney World. If you've heard of Disney World, I live about yes. an hour away from Disney World. Okay. So that must be really good, is it? It is. It's cool. It's fun. Uh, but uh -huh. to be honest, when you live here and yeah. you work, it becomes just another part of your life that you don't really get to see all the time. But maybe when you have kids... Um, it becomes part of the routine. Right now, our daughter is only two, so she does mm -hmm. not really understand it yet, but maybe uh -huh. when she's older. So, uh, you know, Tampa being, uh, as you said, you know, a tourist destination, there must be, you know, multiple cultures and, you know, like just a melting pot of, um, you know, like different kind of people. Yeah, so where I live, um, we're actually, I mean, melting pot is truly the right word because there's, Indian cuisine that's down the street. There's Thai cuisine mm -hmm. that's down the street and, and Filipino fast food. Um, okay. So we have a lot of, it's a very diverse. Okay. And um, so what do you feel, you know, the general vibe is of your city, you know, like it's fun, it's chill or, you know, it's uptight. Um, what are the, what are the people like basically? Like what do I, yeah, I mean, power? just the general mood of the city mode okay so i would say people are friendly um unlike people who would probably be in new york city people just kind of go about by their ways and they don't really wave high or look at you mm -hmm. i'd i hear where i live if you see people walking down the street you say hi and people will gladly smile and wave um, it's pretty friendly i would say Mm -hmm. And people can strike conversation at any time. Maybe you're standing in the middle of a, of the grocery store and you're waiting to check out and mm -hmm. someone next to you could be talking to you and striking a conversation. Got it. So it's a more, you know, welcome and warm kind of city, right? It is. Yeah. It's, it's welcoming. And I would say anybody here can move and thrive because people are mm -hmm. willing to help. Got it. So, uh, Mikhail, um, you know, I need, um, I want to understand more about you, you know, like what did you study and, you know, in which field are you currently working? Sure. So growing up in the U S, um, I went to school here up till college and then I went to the Philippines to finish up 
more of my education, my higher education. I went to medical school in the Philippines in Manila and I graduated with my medical doctorate. So I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. And then I moved back to the States and was pursuing residency. At the time I met my husband and I was working towards getting into a program residency program. So mm -hmm. we were not married yet, but um, we were dating while I was in this process. Mm -hmm. And I think this is leaning into more of my story, but when we finally got married, uh, the whole world shut down and mm -hmm. COVID had hit the whole world. So because of that, uh, opportunities to become a resident had become different than it was prior to COVID, pre-COVID. So things had changed. I went into a different direction in my career path and I studied to become a nutrition coach because my husband and I did get married in 2019. But like I said, five months later, the whole world shut down, which threw me into a different situation. So my husband started his online fitness business and I decided that I would join him. So I did that through becoming a certified nutrition coach. Okay. So you, you, you currently you are a certified nutritionist, right? Yes. I am doing that for uh, our, our small business. Yes. Okay. So, uh, shifting from, you know, medical to, you know, let's say food, um, you know, how similar was that change, you know, in terms of, uh, the kind of knowledge that you have to gain in a very short period of time. So I say it was 70% new infor not, it was, hmm. I don't think it was totally new information. I think I needed to mm -hmm. shift the way that I was thinking because in medicine, we only have we only have an elective, uh, uh, one course regarding nutrition, and it wasn't as extensive. So we learned the basics. And I think what I needed to do was really combine the two. So I think it wasn't really new. 70% wasn't new. I think the 70% that I'm talking about is that it was newly integrated in my way of thinking and approach to people because mm -hmm. I'm no longer providing uh, pharmaceuticals or medicine to people to, to lower their cholesterol, help them with their blood sugar. But now I am helping them become better educated and informed of the food and making food as their medicine. So that was a new mindset shift for myself. And then I had to embrace that, that mm -hmm. I'm no longer wearing a white coat and prescribing medication, but I'm, and then seeing people either get better or get worse or stay the same and not really change. But now I'm really helping people become more empowered with their nutrition, with food choices. And now they get off of medication and now they have a better uh, lifestyle than they were before. So uh, Mikal, I think you are in a very, uh, let's say, uh, unique position of, you know, understanding me medicine at the same time, understanding food and, you know, humans at the same time. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what do you think about, let's say this wave of people, 
you know talking about body positivity and talking about you know nutrition does not work you know they don't want to be fit anymore you know like what do you think about this trend that you know that are, that's you know started to come up now body positivity i think there's a point where you have to look at yourself and love wh- who you are as a person and i think god created us individually unique mm-hmm. and I think the body positivity where we accept who and how God created us is primary. But if we have made choices in our lives that we know is affecting our future and our present day. So for example, someone could be overweight Mm -hmm. and still love themselves and love how they feel or love how they look, but not how they feel because they're feeling the back pain, they're feeling the consequences of high blood pressure and high blood sugar, then it's not to degrade how or who they are as a person. And I think that's what body positivity should be, that if a person is four foot 11, like myself, I should be proud of that. (laughs) I I shouldn't, you know, put myself down or compare myself to others. But if I have made decisions to affect my well being, then body positivity doesn't do anything for me. It's it's not helping me get better. So I would say that that whole mindset is actually skewed because it's not empowering the person to make better decisions. I think at a certain point, it makes people feel like I'm going to shove those problems down because I like the way that I am and I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to work on that. So I think body positivity is a very skewed misconception of what it should be in relationship to who you are as a person. Yeah, but you know, because um, you know, you might be uh, you know looking at this you know TikToks or you know reels on Instagram promoting body positivity, you know, because even I am uh, even me sitting in India, you know, I am able to. Uh, look at these reels and you know they show up on my feed where people mm-hmm. are talking about body positivity to an extreme level where it almost feels like you know they they really do not care about let's say what the person you know who may take inspiration from this and may stop working on themselves mm-hmm. no so uh, you know they they do not count i think the kind of health hazard that they are putting themselves into mm-hmm so um you as a nutritionist do you feel that you know there is some kind of moral responsibility of you know let's say doctors and you know medical professionals you know to 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 make a stand up and say you know like this is what is good and this is bad yeah i because we are looked at because my degree is a medical doctor we were we were looked at someone who is able to empower or help actually help is a better word, help the person become better, even in mindset of the health and disease and the situation that that person is in. So I think providing that and and the, the problem here being in the US is that doctors don't really do that. We, we don't really provide the necessary um, help for that individual to see that, yeah, this is this is important for you to actually work on. But um, this whole body positivity thing we shy away from, we know, like, because 
it's really sticky in the US right now. A lot of people are too soft to hear the reality of words, to hear the reality of where their health is until they go to the doctor and they have an issue, then the doctor will tell them work on this. But the problem is that that patient or that person can get affected because of how they are. So mm -hmm. it's a really, it's a really sticky situation. Because again, in the US, a lot of people are easily, easily offended. But I, I do feel that there is a responsibility by the medical field, and even people that are working on my field to 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 help others understand what that should really mean. What does bo body positivity actually mean? And then the consequences of not taking care of your health and mm -hmm. not taking care of making better decisions with your nutrition, because that is a that is a huge key. Got it. So I think, uh, you know, my next question is, what is your, you know, like, let's say few basic bare minimum tips to those people who say that, you know, nutrition and cooking food on my own is expensive ah nutrition and cooking food on your own is expensive actually i think i i understand globally the prices inflation things are getting harder for everybody mm -hmm. however i think if you're smart to look at things differently one, having a different perspective, understanding how to budget properly. Maybe there's some things that you don't really need every single day. Like, for example, here in the US, there are people that complain that they can't afford things like mm -hmm. buying things that are organic. But however, they go to Starbucks every single day and spend five, ten dollars on coffee. Yes. So if we are just eliminating the little mundane things like that, you'd be able to save money and then you'd be able to purchase things that are of better quality. However, I would say the easy things to do right now to help build a better foundation with nutrition is cutting off all refined sugars if you can. But the easy way to do that is slowly taper it off. So mm -hmm. if sugar in terms of sodas or sweet drinks that you guys may have there in India, mm -hmm. you start to cut that off. So I have a client that was drinking six bottles of Mountain Dew every single day, six bottles, and they were 24 ounces. Six bottles? Yes, six bottles of Mountain Dew. Okay, and how, how much is that in liters? Sorry, I don't know, ounces. Um, Let me see. Let me just check. I will, I'm just checking to liters how much it is. So you said 24 ounces, right? Yeah, 24 ounces. Yep. Okay, so that's around 700 ml and uh, they were consuming up to six. Okay, that is <laughs> that is way too high, I think. That's what she was used to because uh -huh. she works in a very she doesn't she didn't drink water. She didn't drink anything that was healthy for her. But she okay. just drank that every single day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. That was her form of energy. And that was her form of water. So okay. she was um, drinking that every single day. But as I worked with her, we cut it off every, every week. We started to lower it down. Mm -hmm. So every day we were able to taper it. Or if she hadn't gotten to, to come down one in one week we will work on it the next week so mm -hmm. little by little we got her down to one 
bottle or to no to no bottle at all and she she just lost a lot of weight she dropped 30 pounds mm -hmm. and that was part of the reason because she started removing the sugar the second thing that i would encourage people is if buying these more expensive food and cooking at home is difficult or more expensive for you what other foods that are unhealthy that that are processed that you can start removing from your grocery list or that you typically buy and in in exchange of something healthy so maybe there's a snack maybe there's like in the philippines there's usually go-to snacks that we get that that's processed and it's usually chocolate or a lot of carbohydrates maybe mm -hmm. that's the same thing in india that there's a packaged food that maybe your kids like or you prefer or let's mm -hmm. just say Oreos. Oreos is a common staple that everybody gets, I'm sure, around the world. Yeah. What if you remove the Oreo and buy something else that's a fruit that is sweet, that would give you the necessary carbohydrates because our body does need carbs, but gives you more fiber, allows mm -hmm. you to have the energy. So it's just creating that exchange and budgeting. And the third thing is eating healthy doesn't necessarily mean um having the the uh the expensive supplements and things of that nature eating healthy means having good amount of vegetables more vegetables than you would with buying organic grass-fed meats or something like that i think what people forget is that we need to have more fiber we need to have more greens and leafy vegetables and that is easily more attainable than you would all the other things. So if you start working on adding more vegetables in your diets, that's going to do a lot of wonders just even for your gut health. So it would help regulate digestion, help regulate mood and even hormone levels. So that is a way that you can start becoming healthier and, and cooking at home by adding more vegetables in your meals. Yeah, I definitely agree, um, you know, what you said because um, you know, in India, cooking food in house is far more cheaper and better uh, than eating out. Even mm -hmm. though we have street food here, which is uh, very tasty and, um, you know, very cheap. It's very affordable. Even then, you know, just buying vegetables and fruits and, you know, just cooking for yourself is far more uh, efficient and eco economical in a long term. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, my question is related to something you said earlier, um, because I have heard and I have seen documentaries of people in the United States who prefer beer or, you know, some other, uh, I'll call it drink over water. And I saw a woman who was 60 plus years old. And she said that, you know, for the past 30, 40 years, you know, she, she has not, uh, you know, like consumed water, you know, she's just wow. on beer and wine. So, uh, you know, my question was, you know, is it that prevalent that, you know, people really don't, don't think about water anymore? Is that relevant? You're saying, is that something yeah, that people I mean, are doing? Correct. I mean, uh, like, do you get to observe it on a regular basis? You know, I think when I speak to a lot of potential clients or people that are coming up to me asking for help, people forget to drink water. So there isn't an individual that says, oh, I, you know, I drink 
beer or alcohol all the time or wine and I, I don't drink water at all. I just refuse. No, I don't get that. But I get people that are on other drinks and then forget that water is actually better than that. I think what I see on the general scope of things when I speak mm -hmm. to people is that these new up and coming trends of water infused with vitamins, water infused mm -hmm. with the other things becomes more of water to them. But yeah. people just forget to drink that the basis of it is we need H2O, we need water, we need good, clean water. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, I, I just feel like because the society that we live in, it's always on the go, people, mm -hmm. people are always, you know, on their feet and working or driving. So what they feel like is they need more energy, or they need mm -hmm. other sources for energy, and they don't go yeah. to water, they grab something else. And they, they usually grab the next soda can, or they usually grab the next energy drink or something water, but too much sugar in it. So it's not really water. Um, yeah. And that's what they tend to gravitate to and forget that they really need the basic life water. Got it. So, um, you know, like coming to the next point, let's say, what is your opinion? Because I'm really interested in this. You know, what is your opinion on um, you know, oils, you know, uh, edible oils? Ah, so, so there's different types of oils that have been thrown out there. So usually canola oil is a big one that is being mm -hmm. used in uh, restaurants, uh, fast food industries, and that type of canola. Oil, and then they reuse it too. So sometimes they don't actually have a fresh batch. They reuse it. So it becomes even more unhealthy. And that is number one. One of the things that I would say, don't buy, don't use. I mm -hmm. would really stick to olive oil, um, more of that kind seed oil. I would utilize that more than I would with canola oil. Um, mm -hmm. So I would do more of those are unsaturated fats, which is better. It's healthier. Then you can go even and dig deeper into mm -hmm. the type of um, unsaturated fat and the type of olive oil, because there's refined, there's unrefined, there's virgin oil, virgin olive yeah. oil. But as a general sense, I would say stick to olive oil as the best type of cooking food because it's unsaturated fat. Mm -hmm. And and it would lessen the risk for you to increase cholesterol. Um, and canola oil and all those other things are usually used even in processed food. So I would look mm -hmm. at your boxes and look at the ingredient list to see what kind of oil they're also using, because that also plays a big role. Um, but again, yeah, olive, I would stick to olive oil and sticking to um, seed oil in that fashion, because it's less risk for you to have um, mm -hmm. high cholesterol. And it also helps because it's anti-inflammatory. They also have good... Um, healthy fats as well that is anti-inflammatory and canola mm -hmm. oil and things like that strike inflammation in our body. Got it. Have you heard of rice bran oil? Rice bran oil? Yeah. Yeah. I have not. Okay. So uh, rice bran oil is, um, you know, the outer layer of rice. Yeah. Uh, that hard, it will be like brown color. So they extract oil from that interesting yeah interesting. and in in india it is considered as the worst um you know, type oil. of oil huh. yeah i mean commercially people use it but uh it is proven to be fatal <clears throat> it's, it's very dangerous actually wow it's probably because 
the rice bran that the 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 coating itself and the way that they process it, it's not natural to use that coating the bran yeah because that's supposed to have a lot more fiber i believe the shell of that of the wheat is supposed to have a lot more fiber but yeah. if you are making it into something that it's not naturally supposed to be made into like oil yes. then you are putting it into a high process function you're you're, you're using a lot of other man-made sources and then it becomes to make it oil and then it becomes oil then it becomes harmful for the body so I, I would i would guess that it probably has trans fats and it probably has different types of chemicals in there that make it into oil yes. and that's probably why it's unhealthy just like um trans fats is being mm -hmm. is being banned because that's what happens when you put it into high processing it creates a trans fat which is a lot harder to break down so mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's good to know. I did not know that. We've never, I've never been exposed to it here. I, I would be okay. curious to see if it's exposed in the Philippines because I wonder if it's cheaper. Um, I think I think it's it's prevalent in Asia, ah. and yeah, and I am seeing uh, many people complain about in the United States too, where you know oils are being mixed. You know, yes. Like mm -hmm. Two three sources of oil, you know, and I. Uh, I think two days ago, I just saw a reel where a doctor was losing his um, because one of his, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of his people complained that, you know, they were having issues in terms of skin allergy and everything. And wow. when they really looked at it, um, you know, they found out that a restaurant near their house, you know, they were mixing three different types of oil um, to make food. Wow yeah i mean um yeah so it's like you know oil is a very big conversation right now in india mm. um, because you know here we use clarified butter um it's called ghee mm -hmm. so it's clarified butter uh, which we use in instead of oil um you know because people say it has a lot of benefits and etc um but yeah uh, that's what I, w I just wanted to ask about, you know, rice bran oil. So yeah, that that hasn't been a, a huge thing, as far as I'm concerned. I have not really been exposed to rice bran oil before. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what is your opinion on, let's say, this fast food health healthy joints? You know, like you know, like mm -hmm. those Shake Shacks and you know, I don't want to name <laughs> a lot of these companies, but you know, who 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 advertise healthy meal but on a fast food level those can get sticky because uh -huh. again it's being fast food you don't really know what's what's really regulated and even in the types of oil that they're using if they do use oil right yeah. so and we don't even know the type of meat that they that are using that they're using and where is it coming from what's the source and what is truly healthy in fast food? Does that even, that seems like an oxymoron, like it doesn't really combine well to have healthy food that's fast. Usually healthy food is cooked at home and mm -hmm. it is made with you and your time and it doesn't revolve anything instant. So my yeah. opinion to that is people just need to be well aware of their choices. And mm -hmm. um, I, I would say, stay away if you have risk of heart disease if you have risk of diabetes or if you have those things already i would just cut those things off in general and i think it's misleading i think mm -hmm. it's truly truly misleading healthy fast food is not truly healthy 
okay so um you know like just let's say revolving on the same topic what do you think about you know pre-made uh you know like meals same um i think pre-made meals now i mean there's a difference pre-made meals like there are places here that are home cooked i would say home cooked like filipino cooking i would mm -hmm. go to a filipino restaurant and it's Filipino cooking for you. And that's technically almost like a home cooked meal pre-made, but the pre-made process that's in a box that you get, that's, um, it's microwavable. I, those yeah. are not, not healthy because they have all the preservatives. They have high salt content. Even sometimes it's about, about over a thousand, um, mm -hmm. for, for salt alone, just because they need to preserve it and, and have a longer shelf life and also mm. for it to be tasty. So no, I don't think those are healthy at all. Got it. So, um, you know, like, so my, let's say next point of view is, let's say someone is cheap as hell, you know, they're almost broke. What would be, let's say the cheapest way of, you know, make sure, making sure, you know, they consume let's say a uh, balanced nutrition. Mm -hmm. So for a balanced nutrition, I, and this is a quick move that a lot of people utilize here in the U S. So if, mm -hmm. if you look at your hand and you yep. open your hand and you look at the size of your hand, mm -hmm. that is the amount of vegetables you should have on your plate. The size of your hand should be the amount of vegetables you should have on your plate. The second thing is I know just like Filipinos, we love rice. So mm -hmm. rice is a big staple in our country. We eat yes. it three times a day, yes. breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and sometimes even snacks, mid meals. Yes. I would make a fist or a uh -huh. cup size using your hand. And that uh -huh. would be the amount of rice you should have in your meal. Okay. No more than that. Mm -hmm. And then the amount of meat for your protein. Mm -hmm. Again, if you open your hand and you look at the size of your palm, Mm -hmm. That should be the size of the protein. Got it. And then if you have anything that's oily, so usually that's hard one for India and the Philippines because a lot of our food is drenched in oil. I, I would eliminate, I would eliminate oil, but mm -hmm. I would also try to keep the oil, the amount of the size of your thumb. So here I would say, if I talk to a, a client, who I'm working with, for example, and I would say, if you're having a salad, mm -hmm. a green leafy veggie salad, the amount of oil that you would get or salad dressing, because that's mm -hmm. a, that's the oil, is the, the size of your thumb. I would not make the serving size bigger than your thumb. So that is an easy way, practical step for anybody mm -hmm. to have a well-balanced meal. So if you look at it, which one do you have the most? The protein, the carbohydrates, or the fats? It's mm -hmm. really the vegetables, which is a source of carbohydrate, but it's fiber, which is, yeah. it's, it's unrefined. So it's better yes. for you. So that is the biggest key is to have more vegetables and then have your, your protein. I would eat your vegetables, your protein and your carbohydrates last. Got it. So, um, you know, I, 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 I am really interested about food. Um, but not in terms of nutrition, but the way we uh, we are growing food. You know, I'm very interested about the way we farm and, you know, what we put into the soil and all these things. So because, you know, I'm also living in a concrete jungle, you know. Uh, so I live in a city called as Bangalore. 
mm-hmm. which is the silicon valley of india oh wow so it's like uh, it, it is a metropolitan developed city so you know here you know m- many of my colleagues and friends complain you know okay you know i cannot have organic uh, vegetables you know or fruits and uh, all these sort of complaints you know let's they they come up with so uh, my suggestion uh, to them what i usually says you know just grow microgreens within your home hmm right like spinach and you know like there are many i don't i don't want to you know create a list but you know there are multiple microgreens that you could grow and you know harvest within 7 to 10 days so that you know if you plan really well you are able to have at least 8 to 10 meals of you know pure green that has been grown by you and you have made sure not to put in any chemicals or any sort of fertilizers or pesticide right so um, you know you are getting good food so uh, what is your opinion on you know this microgreens now that's funny cuz my husband and i um last year we started growing our own vegetables so i i think on the topic of growing your own vegetables growing mm-hmm. these things in your own backyard that you can regulate yourself um i think that's the best choice especially mm-hmm. if you say you're on a budget and you can't afford certain things or you want yeah. to budget properly and you want to eat healthy then if you have the ability and saved money to to make your own little garden your own little vegetable garden and doing these microgreens then do it i mean mm-hmm. if there's nothing that's stopping you yeah. do it because in this day and age we don't know exactly what the type of soil the pesticides um the real sources that our vegetables are coming from but if you mm-hmm. do it on your own you know and you can yes. be even more particular of the type of soil and what you are able to feed the plant and mm-hmm. um regulate even you know what you want to have what do you want to grow so yeah i think it's a great thing to do and i think people should start doing it more mm-hmm. so uh, you just said something about the soil right mm-hmm. you know because i'm extremely passionate about it i just want to uh, share a small story um you know uh, recently I, i took one of my relatives to get their you know blood work done in a hospital um so you know i was just waiting for the you know lab results and i was just sitting there and i saw a banner you know advertising um, you know multiple testings in uh, in humans right so Wow. the let's say the chemicals that they were trying to test for it contained lead acid boron and another 3 4 chemicals that i know that we usually soil uh, uh, you know we usually do those tests on soil you know to understand whether the soil is healthy or not mm-hmm. so we used to do the these kind of tests in a laboratory for a soil now we are doing that on humans Wow. so i was you know really surprised so uh, you know when the lab technician came to give me the results you know i just asked him okay like do you do this test and he said yeah of course you know people are really curious and they get tested right so i asked you know uh, let's say out of 10 people how many uh, you know people do you think show abnormal level, levels of these chemicals right um so I, i my question is could you guess an a number you know between 0 and 10 how many people are showing abnormal levels of these chemicals oh goodness um 1 to 10 you said how yeah. many levels 
no no out of 10 people how out many people, people do you think are showing abnormal results gosh i'm just gonna guess okay i'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure but seven out of ten yes you are exactly correct <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly right wow that is crazy yeah he said you know seven out of ten people usually show abnormal levels of these chemicals wow in their body wow gosh that just yeah. that just says a lot about the food that we eat and the toxicity and what people are carrying and we don't know about that yes wow you know because um i see that you know united states farming you know is largely controlled by big corporations and all these things all this you know it's a money making machines yes and you know they use chemicals and uh, you know pesticides and fertilizers to uh, you know make more money let's say right but you know in india people have this thought you know like because majority of india are you know uh, small farmers you know we don't have large corporations who are, who do agriculture here mm-hmm. they feel like you know like they don't use chemicals hmm. but you know when you really look at it because the farmer is you know and um, you know he he does not know enough let's say enough about chemicals mm-hmm. so he is going to put out uh, you know or to soil anything that is new in the market it's like it's like taking a kid to a toy store you know he mm-hmm. will want the most shiniest toy out there it's like you know the chemical with 10 times harvest you know they're just going to put it there they're not going to ask questions here hmm. so do wow. you think you know like you being a nutritionist um and let's say a general you know like uh, a, a citizen um do you find it difficult to you know understand what is going on in within the food that we are consuming? Uh, that's a good question. I think I think the general population does find it difficult because they're not being educated on how to find how to find that. I think mm-hmm. the the general population, even for myself, I will I will just consider myself as part of the general population. You can mm-hmm. find ingredients on the label itself. Yeah. However, if you really want to dig deeper, then you do mm-hmm. have to go and research more about the ingredients that are on there that you have no idea what it's about. Yes. Like, for example, even the sugar sweetener, some people have no idea that mm-hmm. a sugar label that's acylfame, that that's mm-hmm. actually going to be a sugar sweetener that causes things such as um, celiac disease. And the more they consume mm-hmm. it, you have more risk for celiac disease and irritable bowel syndrome and all these other things and same Mm -hmm. thing with the fruits we don't know or vegetables we don't know what the pesticide is um, that they're using for these things for the fruits and vegetables because we just pick them off the shelf so yeah because we don't want to do the hard part which is educating is it hard to get these and to get the information i think it's not anymore because it's pretty much you can find it online it's yeah. just taking the time and educating mm-hmm. yourself for doing it. Again, the general yeah. population just does not want to listen and take the time to search for themselves because we're being fed so much from social media and mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So I think um, what we should do is we should think outside the box. We should first analyze where are we and mm-hmm. where are we in our health and what do we want in the future for our health, maybe even next year, making a goal as to what do you want to do? Lower your blood cholesterol, lower the toxicities, lower, 
lower your blood sugar, make a goal, and then start setting, start setting checkpoints. So maybe it is to start learning what's on the nutrition label. So you are understanding the ingredients. Maybe it is mm -hmm. understanding, educating yourself as to what's the difference between organic and not organic. How does that affect the food? How does that, because even the ones that are not organic, they look different than yes. the organic vegetables. They're bigger, yeah. they're shinier, they look better, but not necessarily, not necessarily healthier. So educating mm -hmm. and then making goals, short-term goals and long-term goals. And eventually you won't become just a regular person in the general population. You'll be an educated, more well-rounded person in the general population. So you may look like everyone else, but you have more knowledge base. Got it. So, uh, you know, my two cents on that is, um, I really hope that, you know, people who are listening to us, you know, guys, just go on Google, right? And mm -hmm. just search for what types of chemicals or what kind of treatments do we give to mangoes, bananas, yes. you know, like this, uh, uh, let's say normal fruits. And if people really understand what goes into you know, producing perfect looking mangoes and bananas, right? I think they won't ever consume um, another banana in life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that's the same thing. When I was in the Philippines, I, mm -hmm. I saw bananas and chickens, even chickens. Mm -hmm. They're yeah, smaller. Yeah. They're, and I used to say, oh man, this is not a good chicken. They're smaller. And then yeah. I come back home to the States because even though I was born in the Philippines, the U.S. is where I grew up. So I consider this mm -hmm. home. I come back here and the food is huge. And then I mm -hmm. say, this is real food. But then yeah. the more that I got educated, my eyes opened that mm -hmm. I'm actually blinded. That yeah. real food was what I was eating on the island. Real yeah. food was the things that my grandmother was feeding me because it was grown in our vegetable garden in the backyard in the Philippines, we yeah. had chickens living off of the land. So mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't from a place that we don't know where it came from. We were feeding yes. it all natural things. Yeah. So that, and the chicken wasn't big and fat. It was lean. Yeah. It was chicken. <laughs> yes, but correct. I, I agree with you. I think you just really need to educate and we have the resources at the tip of our fingers. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, what is your opinion on stevia? Have you heard of stevia? Yeah. So there's good and bad things on stevia. I would say there's, there's, as a general whole, it's not natural. So yeah. if there is an individual that has risk for certain diseases, then don't take mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But if there's an individual that has, for example, um, diabetes, and they mm -hmm. can't take regular sugar, and you're not yeah. allergic to these um, sugar substitutes, stevia is probably the best or erythritol is probably one of the things that you can take. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also one that's monk fruit. I believe monk yeah. fruit is a, is a better choice among the three. Yeah. Um, because if you want to stay to the most natural form rather than things that are extracted from something mm -hmm. and made it different into than what it was originally made supposed to be. So yeah, I feel like there's a give or take, but, yeah. but overall anything that is extracted and made into something else for mm -hmm. our body to use has a risk for causing disease. 
So. Yeah, I think I think stevia also causes hormone di- uh, disruption in mm-hmm. uh, certain individuals. Yeah, um, because in India that's a big thing now, because there was a surge of companies you know selling stevia. Mm-hmm. Now uh, here you know the gym trainers and the nutritionists and you know the general food food people. Now they have started to say you know please don't consume stevia, you know uh, just don't consume sugar at all. And if you mm-hmm. want to consume it, just consume something natural rather than a processed sugar, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the general uh, attitude right now in India. The, yeah. The, anything that is not man-made. I feel like we were, I was having a discussion with one of our, our friends yesterday. We were talking about diet. And I had mentioned to them, you know, the way that Jesus ate, there was no processed, a lot of things. Everything was just yes. natural. And, and I said, there's no diet. That's the Jesus diet. But if we go back to the root of things, it's all natural food. And that's basically the way that we should live and eat is just going back to the root, going back to the natural process, because even with the hormones, the way that it was changed, the bioengineered ingredients or genetically modified organisms, it's rampant. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. It's global. So And the main reason for them using GMO or bio biogenetically engineered was to make food stay longer, was to make yeah. food taste quote unquote better, uh-huh. but also to have uh, the shiny the shiny object like the tomatoes yes, look better. And it's not better for us. But yeah, I think the main basis is in health is go mm-hmm. back to all natural. Yeah. Mm, yeah, so coming to the next point, um, I think you know you are correct in terms of food. The way we are consuming right now is not probably sustainable in the long term, um, and we need to hope we hopefully change it very soon because we need to. Uh, because if you want to survive and you know expect good quality of life, we have mm-hmm. to consume good food. But you know, I also uh, wanted to discuss a little bit about what you were interested in. That was you know postpartum depression. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's a subject I think you're passionate about. And I think that's a subject that people here really are not aware of. So could you help us, you know, uh, you know, understand that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious now to see the rate of postpartum depression in India. That's really interesting. Because here mm-hmm. in the US, it's being talked about more often, because mental mm-hmm. health is now being it's not taboo. Whereas years mm-hmm. ago, if someone said they're depressed, it's mm-hmm. not talked about because, oh, that's, yeah. that's just different. It's weird. You know, no one can really be like that. It, it was taboo. But now that mental health is a thing, especially post-COVID, mm-hmm. postpartum depression is now being talked about more. So for the okay. women who are listening, if you are a mom and you are pregnant right now and you're feeling different about your your baby for example when i was pregnant i used to dream that i would stab my daughter in the womb and kill her mm-hmm. and i was pregnant and i i would think i would get scared i didn't know that these were signs of postpartum depression i thought i yeah. was fine mm-hmm. and some women may not have these thoughts or feelings but mm-hmm. when they are a mom and they've delivered their baby yeah. and they don't have any sleep. That is the biggest risk for postpartum depression is if they don't have any sleep, you're tired all the time. 
And mm-hmm. especially in Asian culture, sometimes you feel like you have to do things on your own. But yes. I don't know what it's like in India, but that's in the Philippines, we weren't really allowed to show a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. We had to be strong because I'm the mom. I have to do this. But we Correct. weren't, it was hard to ha- ask for help. Mm-hmm. So when you're feeling, and I was feeling this way, that I was trying to be super mom, I had to do everything. Mm-hmm. I wore I wore myself down mentally, emotionally, physically, and I got to the point where I felt like I had to give up my life. Mm-hmm. So, and on top of that, I didn't have an attachment to my baby. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like she was my baby. And when a, when a mom feels like that's not really hers or she doesn't mm-hmm. want to spend time with the baby, she doesn't yeah. really she shows some affection, but in the, in the midst of it, she just doesn't feel that connection. Then mm-hmm. there's something wrong. Got and it. some women, they suffer in silence and they don't mm-hmm. want to talk about those things. Okay. So a quick Google search uh, says that about 22% of mothers in India suffer from postpartum depression. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a cultural thing that even in Asia, we don't talk about, I mean, in the Philippines, we don't talk about this, mm-hmm. but because in the U S like I said, mental health is becoming more popular. It's mm-hmm. slowly becoming popular in the Philippines. Now people are talking about it. And a lot of moms, they suffer in silence and then they get looked down. They feel the shame. They feel guilty because they don't, they don't understand what's going on, but there's also mm-hmm. a nutritional component to that. There's Mm -hmm. also a physiological component in the body because your hormones just drop immediately because you are now learning to feed yourself because when you were pregnant, you were feeding yourself and the baby, essentially. The baby was taking more of your nutrients. So then after you deliver, now you're trying to get yourself back into balance and then your body doesn't know how to react. So you go through Mm -hmm. the emotional highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And throw on top of that being exhausted physically, trying to stay awake, feed the baby, breastfeed the baby, change the baby. Mm-hmm. So when I was in three, just three months after delivering my baby, mm-hmm. I had taken my medication and I overdosed on my opioid medication because I had a mm-hmm. C-section. And I also overdosed on my depression medication because I was also given that in case of, I felt a certain, cause my doctor had said, well, here, I had a really traumatic delivery. So I was mm-hmm. at risk. So she gave me that medication and I finally decided I'm just going to end it. I'm not a good mom. I don't know. I don't even feel like I'm a mom. I don't even feel like she's my daughter. I don't even feel like I can take care of the house. Mm-hmm. And I took the medication in front of my daughter and my husband. Okay. So, yeah, because I don't know. I don't, <laughs> because it's really, you know, like weird when it comes to PPD, right? Because um, there is also some level of genetics involved, mm-hmm. you know, and as you said, it's about sleep cycle and nutrition do you think that you know like vitamins and you know vitamins like b6 have any involvement in it you know the energy vitamin b and b6 also helps with mood regulation and also producing red blood cells which is needed because you just remove the whole bunch of blood when after you deliver so it can definitely help 
But I mm -hmm. think the biggest foundation is how was your nutrition prior to getting pregnant and during mm -hmm. pregnancy, which would Got also it. help when you are after after delivery, which would also help you um, recover better. So mm -hmm. if you're eating unhealthily during pregnancy, then you're not setting yourself up for success after. Um, if you're not giving yourself the right vitamins, the right nutrients, even exercising, those are huge factors for even maintaining good mental health when you are in these periods, pregnancy and post-pregnancy. So mm -hmm. someone can take vitamin B6 and it can help them. Someone yeah. can take a multivitamin. You are, you should be taking a multivitamin post-pregnancy as well because you need mm -hmm. to replenish yourself. So yes, yes I, I believe that those could definitely help a woman after pregnancy. So uh, what would you say would be, you know, one of the most important things uh, to prevent, you know, PPD? One, I, I feel from given from my experience to prevent it, if you have a, a traumatic history. So I, I, I was also um, a victim of childhood trauma. So that was already a risk factor for postpartum depression. But if you didn't, if you deal with it and have gone through uh, therapy and have healing from the past, then you won't, you will have less of a risk for postpartum depression. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I had a lot of things that I needed to work through a lot of fear that I needed to work through. And that mm -hmm. was showing up in my dreams when I was pregnant. I, I even thought I, w I wasn't going to be a good mom anyway, when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I needed to work through that. So one for the, for, for the women who are out there listening to lower the risk of postpartum depression, if you are going through something right now, that's causing you lack of sleep, try to have better sleep while you are pregnant. Number one, mm -hmm. but number two, if you have gone through a traumatic past or are going through a traumatic present, mm -hmm. I say, Find someone that can help you deal with that. Maybe if you are a Christian, find a pastor. If you have a friend or a mentor, a trusted loved one, find someone that can give you the support to work through that. If you can't mm -hmm. find a therapist, um, that would be a huge help to walk through this whole season with you, mm -hmm. but don't go at it alone. So traumatic past, present trauma or present depression that you may be working through. Um, number, number three is working through your nutrition and eating well, getting mm -hmm. the right, I, I mentioned sleep earlier, but even getting exercise, yeah. so sleep, nutrition, exercise, great things. It's absolutely necessary, even when you're not pregnant. So all mm -hmm. the more when you are, so eating a well-balanced meal, of course, but getting the right nutrients, getting extra mm -hmm. iron because you are replete, you are needing that. You need the yeah. iron, you need the folate, making sure you get green leafy vegetables. Um, and then remove the refined foods. Don't, even mm -hmm. if you have a craving for something, don't go towards the fast food because remember, you're also affecting the genetics of your child, of your baby. Yes. And that's healthy. That's not, that's really important because you are also setting your baby up for success when you're mm -hmm. taking care of yourself and exercise. I used to walk and, and run as well during pregnancy and lift weights when I was pregnant. So I used mm -hmm. to work out. So 
I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have high cholesterol or high blood sugar. So I did that, but that's also necessary. Again, just watch what you're doing so that you don't cause any bleeding. Be very mindful of that, but it's healthy even with just um, small weights, dumbbells, nothing too strenuous, but getting a walk or cardio, if you can run, that -hmm. would also help keep the mood regulation in balance and check. So uh, do you think, you know, staying mentally fit in terms of, you know, having positive attitude and working towards a certain, uh, you know, like set point or a goal also helps towards, you know, preventing PPD? I do. I do. I really do. Number one, if you are a Christian, your faith in God will definitely help you the most. Um, I had a family of believers of church from church that helped me during during and after my pregnancy and after my suicide attempt. So, Mm -hmm. but if you are, if you are doing something for your mental health before pregnancy and Mm -hmm. you are strengthening your faith in God, or you are even doing um, grounding techniques or helping you understand how to deal with anxiety and stress and you become stronger and that Mm -hmm. helps with mental health resilience then yes, I, I truly believe you're you're going to set yourself up for success and decrease the risk of postpartum depression. Because people that usually go through these things are those who don't know how to balance the stress of becoming a new mom. And then mm-hmm. on top of everything else, that just makes it worse. Got it. So my two cents on that would be, you know, um, you know of course, because you are a Christian, you know, you understand the culture of, you know, Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, my thing would be like, it doesn't matter whether you're a Hindu, uh, Muslim, Christian, whatever your religion is, but staying, staying true to your own culture and religion, mm-hmm. I think leads to a stronger morals and uh, hopefully a, a better mentality mm-hmm. towards life and, you know, these kind of, uh, let's say, negative attitude that, you know, people... Uh, now you know have to fight with on a regular basis you know because of course uh, just being pregnant is is like the uh, most stressful event a person could have um but uh, you know what i have studied on ppd you know i have understood that you know many women who are working right and you know they become pregnant and then let's say um, few companies don't offer uh, you know maternity leave so they may have to quit the job and all of a sudden there is this financial instability within the household you know where they are put under more stress from the um, you know like all these multiple factors mm-hmm. um, yeah so definitely what you said is true that you know staying true to your culture and religion and you know uh, your identity helps yes so in terms of culture um mm-hmm. My mom was a huge help in being next to me, helping me, taking care of my daughter. Um, it's a family. It's a family. It's a family thing. And I, I feel like um, if you do have family, and, and if culturally it is, it is healthy for you to be surrounded by the women to help you during this time. Mm-hmm. Accept it. Accept the help because okay, yeah, some people shy away from that. But mm-hmm. I know there are many cultures where I think in Japan, the mom mm-hmm. gets to stay home. They actually have good 
uh, med um, pregnancy leave. They have that. They can stay home with their child a lot longer postpartum. Um, mm -hmm. But they also have family to help them to raise the child, especially during the first few months. I think that's also help healthy and will help reduce the risk of PPD. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, my question is related to that. Do you think, you know, women in nuclear family have a higher risk of PPD? In a nuclear family, if they have a higher yeah. risk? Yes. Um, no, I, you know. Because, you know, they might lack that kind of support that you just mentioned. Uh, that might not be available in a nuclear family, right? I think it, I think it, a mother or a father. So nuclear families having both parents and their children yes. in one household, right? But Correct. if there's a mother and a father that's working well together, mm -hmm. then it should help. But the risk for PPD would go up if the father isn't helping. Because I mean, my yes. husband was there and he was helping mm -hmm. me throughout this whole process. And he yeah. was also very supportive in therapy, getting the help that I need. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to handle it myself. I, I wasn't strong. But I Got think it. it would help if the father knew his role and his part. It would decrease the risk, not so much increase the risk. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be more helpful if the husband also educated himself of what PPD looks like. They usually call it baby blues, but yes, correct. it's really postpartum depression. So if yeah. the husband knew what this thing is called and what it does to the wife and to the, to the mom, then mm -hmm. he could he can become a good support system and decrease postpartum depression. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, what you're saying is, you know, more than true uh, because, you know, uh, there have been multiple studies where they found that, you know, in the households where they, there was more stress and domestic violence, mm -hmm. you know, uh, women uh, tend to, you know, face PPD uh, uh, at a very severely high rate, actually. Yes. So when I was actually, I was hospitalized in the mental hospital and mm -hmm. I, I spoke, I knew I, I wasn't, I knew I needed help and I needed mm -hmm. to be there because of my, the consequences of my actions. But I knew that there was something different about myself that the nurse even pointed out. And she said, look, I think you're fine. She said, you just need to get sleep. You need to get rest. Cause she talked to me about my support system, my husband, and quite honestly, my husband has never, I'm just really grateful that the husband mm -hmm. that I have has been so loving and so supportive. And, and that was a big key towards recovery. So the nurse, when she pointed all these things out, she said, you're going to be, you're going to be fine because a lot of the people that do come in, that mm -hmm. are in the mental hospital, may it be yeah. postpartum depression or something else, they come from a very traumatic background mm -hmm. in the family. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is if the mom is mm -hmm. in that kind of situation where the yeah. husband is abusive, verbally, even verbally abusive, emotionally yeah. abusive, then that's where you need to set boundaries, protect yourself and your child. And yeah. I think, you know, if counseling is available, get counseling, mm -hmm. um, be able to strengthen yourself and remove, if possible, remove from yourself that situation where if you are being verbally abused or physically abused, you may yeah. need to get away. It's yeah. going to be healthy. 
I think that's the best solution, right? Just to get away. Yeah. Um, you know, because there are enough support systems and you know, social nets that you know governments of all countries have created, you know, to make sure that you know w- w- women especially don't fall through cracks, right? Right. I don't know how um how that social net is working in the United States, um, but in India it's more of a community thing rather than a governmental policy. Mm. So um yeah I I want to ask you one more question that you know when I was looking at PPD uh, there was an interesting study that I came across so this was research done by uh, University of Kent okay in England mm-hmm. uh, where they said that you know women who give birth to baby boys okay especially uh, that is male uh, you know so, uh, let's say sons mm-hmm. right they have up to 79% of chance of developing uh, PPD interesting yeah i mean they are saying that it's higher um, in you know, males than females yeah so there is a definite link between you know sex of the baby and um you know ppt interesting i'm not exactly sure why that is uh may i have no idea and i probably should do more research on that mm-hmm. um but just as a general sense though i, I mean that's that is really interesting just in a general sense, though, I mean, postpartum depression can still hit anybody, even if it's a male or female, you know, yes, of course, but that is interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, even I, I did not understand. And even the scientists are somewhat fascinated by it um, because they're like, how does this work? And, yeah. What is the connection? Yeah. And they finally said, we probably don't know. <laughs> Indif- you know. Yeah, indefinite. We have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, we understand that there is a link, but we don't know why. Hmm, that is interesting. <laughs> it's like they invented a problem now. Oh, goodness. Now it's yeah. it's even more complicated than it already is. So let's yes. Oh, goodness. I think so. Yeah. Those that's that's an interesting fact. But um, mm-hmm. I think for someone who is going through some situation and then they they find out, you know, they have a son, I think mm-hmm what I would like for the women to understand that your baby is a gift and it's a blessing. So no matter what, this postpartum depression is just a, a part of your story. If this, if you are going through it and if you have gone through it, like myself, it's going to be a part of your story. And these Mm -hmm. researches, it's all interesting and it can help in the future. Um, But you need to take hold of what your situation is now do the things that are necessary. And I I hope and I pray that you or whoever, if this is just helping out one person, yeah, I hope that you never go down the path that I took. I hope you never do what I did. I agree. You know, even if this helps one woman out there, I think uh, it's it's time well spent and I would definitely be proud of myself. And thank you. Yes. For allowing this topic to, to be spoken of because you said it's not really a, a topic that is um, maybe people aren't really talking about this in even um, in India because it's not. Yeah, a, I, don't, I don't know if it's not a big thing. Maybe it is a, no, it is I a think, big thing. I think the issue here is people don't recognize that they don't understand that this is an issue, you know, uh, like because they don't understand that this is this is an illness that can be, you know, treated. Right. Right. Because uh, you know, uh, pregnant women and even after in you know, a postpartum, you know, 
women are known to have mood swings right yes. but as you said you know baby blues but you know it it it's taken for granted right okay you know she's having her mood swings you know she's cranky again you know she's having uh, bad thoughts it's like that mm-hmm. but i think you know this conversation might somewhere help at least few people you know in understanding what is ppd and you know how can they help their um, you know women in the society with be it their friend you know family whoever it is um <clears throat> you know i hope that if the um, you know if my audience uh, has made it through uh, this long in the episode i just hope that you know you are able to get this message across to those people who are you know decision makers in your home or you know decision maker in the society mm-hmm. because this is an issue that we need to address because uh, a good mom is uh, it uh, plays far more important role than a good school mm. because you know cultures and values are something that is homemade and you know tailor made to each and every kid and you know uh, both father and mother play uh, let's say an equal role in it and having um you know like a disturbed mother or a mother who is going through her own issues you know does not definitely benefit the kid nor it does the uh, nor it does it to the mother right yeah so i hope you know people who are listening take it up you know just uh, all i suggest is guys you know just get a hold of a woman or a man it doesn't matter you know just discuss this topic you know just just talk about it right you don't have to take make any decisions you don't have to be critical about it or whatever just discuss about it you know i think that will start a chain where you know people are aware of it uh, you know more and more because even in uh, you know even even in my city we have multiple ngos you know who who give uh, who give you know like free treatment and rehabilitation to people who are suffering from mental issues mm. um you know but for them to be successful people have to understand that this is an issue at the uh, you know at the first place that is their home yes and and you mentioned a good mom above society above school yeah. and all of that a yeah. good mom is a mom that is present with their child yes and will fight for reaching out for help and yes, getting getting the support that they need and you are a good mom you're taking care of your child you're doing the best that you can yes so you you just being there and helping your baby thrive mm-hmm. you're yeah. a good mom that's a good mom just being yeah. present with your child see uh, this is one of those things that i absolutely hate uh, radical feminists for because they condemn you know having kids you know mm-hmm. because they see it as something you know that that is you know beneath them yes uh, you know and yeah. i'm like you know like do you do you know like you do not have absolute you know like even let's say a 0.1% of idea you know the kind of stress and the kind of happiness it, it it's like a it's like a roller coaster right yes. you know having a, having a kid you know be it a father or a mother but mother gets to enjoy it the most because she is at the forefront of it you know but you know like that that's what i hate about radical feminists because they say you know like having kid is you know something that's beneath women mm. i think you know being able to create another life is a greatest gift that any organism can you know receive 
you know be it human or mm-hmm. animal yeah you know being able to create life like out of thin air you know like of course there is science behind it you know but it is you know like something like a miracle right mm. because you know we are you know women and you know mothers are able to create life and nurture it out of nothing mm. that is true and i will tell you when i finally understood the love that i have for my daughter it's there If you feel like you don't have that connection to your child, it's there. Yeah. It's just being masked by what you're going through with the hormones and emotions and outside stressors. But that is yeah. a great great the greatest gift that you can ever feel. And I truly I I truly resonate that it's a miracle. Yeah. To be able to see something that that is burst outside of your body to yeah. also live and then create their mm-hmm. own life it's it's a, yeah. it's a miracle within itself um but yeah i i totally agree with you i just want to say that they don't understand the depth and the beauty of motherhood yes. because there there's a lot of pride in that and a lot uh-huh. of other uh, other things but I, yeah. i will say that if you are a mom you are needed in society and your child needs you Yes. I think I think this is one of the reasons why why I will never have woke people in my on my podcast, you know. <laughs> I I am very clear about it, you know. Yeah, I am I am willing to die on this hill, you know, defending this point. I will never have woke oh, people in in my so podcast funny. ever. <clears throat> my husband would love you. He would love you, yeah. Ganesh. <laughs> I'm I think most of people would love me. Um, you know, because yeah truly i will never have radical people on my uh, podcast ever um <laughs> because of these reasons you know because they are going after the you know the most sacred fabric of society that is family i know you know because i i, I really get irritated because one of the women i saw other day you know i just wanted to debate her and just you know beat her out you know she said that being employed was a greater pleasure than having a kid i'm like dude you oh, you do not have an absolute goodness. you know shit of an idea that what you're talking about you They're... know it's like yeah i mean of course um, you know like in just like every every other country even in india you know you're protected by freedom of speech but you know sometimes we, i really want to just say to their face you know like uh, i think i think you know you don't know what you're speaking about Mm-mm. um no. because you working at an average job you know uh, you know uh, um, and you know ironically you know you claim that you're free but you are part of the biggest uh, slave system that Why? has ever existed yes. <laughs> you know the corporate and you you dare to say that being free and you know being a mother is beneath you being a slave of a corporate machine you know that will throw you out and they will you know lay you off even even at the first signal of stress or economic depression mm-hmm. and that is what we are seeing now you know because i am seeing you know a lot of uh, women and you know even men cry in reddit and in all this different social media saying you know i got laid off oh my god you know i thought this job was it you know this was my religion mm-hmm. now i don't have anything to you know essentially their life is just taken from them mm. i'm like so you are saying that is greater than ha- being a mother like um you know i i think you can back me up on this you being a mother um like would you like to work as a clerical uh, in a, a clerical or an administrative job 
or we be a mother which one you would know, you choose ganesh i gave up being a doctor so that yeah. i could take care of my daughter because i was in i was faced to go and pursue my career as a medical yeah. doctor but i was in a hospital and this is the part that i did not state i was working mm -hmm. in a hospital and they said just because you are pregnant does not mm -hmm. mean you cannot go and see covid patients well at okay. the time at the time there was so much news about people who were pregnant and they were high risk of getting covid and losing their uh -huh. baby okay i sacrificed my career so i can make uh -huh. sure my daughter is alive today and that she's so healthy did, did you sue them then i did not Okay. <laughs> I did not sue them because uh -huh. they told they did say you mm -hmm. either have a choice of working or not working, but we will not support you if you are going to work yeah. and you're not going to see COVID patients. Yeah, but don't you think that's um, you know like uh, biased judgment? It was, and I cannot. I don't have the heart to sue. I don't. Mikhail, have I, I I want to remind you that you live in the land of suing each other. I do. I you know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know, but. I have, I come from a different mindset. Then. Yeah. I mean, you might be Filipino, but you need to understand that, you know, people <laughs> over in know, the country people too. <laughs> yeah. But not to the extent of United States. I know, you know. I know. And I think Ganesh, that's where my faith in God lies in that he will mm -hmm. take care of me and that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So that if, you know, I, at the time it was so crazy. I focused on my daughter. So I, I do. My yeah. first point is the person who put work above mm -hmm. being a mom. I just yeah. want to say, I'm sorry, but I hope, I hope you shame on you, <laughs> but I really <laughs> yeah. hope that you would find in your heart that your mom gave birth to you and sacrificed their life for you so that you're alive today. Yeah. Whoever gave birth to you had yes. to go through the whole entire process so you could be yes. living breathing and even working your job uh -huh. so, and there's no easy way out of it there's no easy way out of it no yeah and and, and probably their mothers had to endure more pain than they will because yeah. of the modern medicine system exactly my mom yeah she didn't have an epidural <laughs> but yeah. i i will say secondly to the point mm -hmm. that the 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 god-given ability for you to reproduce as a female is mm -hmm. not, and I'm probably taking this into another work woke topic, is uh -huh. not for anybody who is a man and feels like they're a woman and they can be yeah. a woman and live the role as a woman or a mom. No, there's yeah. a difference. The way that my husband uh -huh. loves and nourishes and cares my daughter is different the way that I do because he is a mm -hmm. father. And my yeah. daughter recognizes that in verbally, mm -hmm. she does not say it, she does not mm -hmm. express it, but I know that the love of a father is different mm -hmm. from a love of a mother and yeah. so you know what i think i think replaced. yeah sorry to um, you know interrupt you i think you know there should be a test right anyone who says i am i am her you know <laughs> I, I am she right <laughs> so um you know those machines that um you know uh inject pain you know and uh in uh, i don't know the machine's name you know it just helps you experience the uh, pain of labor right uh, have you seen have you seen those yeah machines? yeah i've seen that yeah yeah so i asked him to i asked him to wear it for nine months okay and you know go through the the same pain cycle that a woman has to go okay and um you know after nine months we'll decide whether she uh 
that guy is still he or she oh goodness yeah i mean you you would you would very quickly figure out <laughs> we know who's a he and we know who's a she oh yeah because um you know like i have studied biology and i've talked to many people about this issue because you know i i, I also appear on many uh, podcasts you know that uh, the kind of tolerance to pain that uh, biological women have um you know men do not have it mhm so let's let's make them wear the machine <laughs> you know just go through 9 months of pain please. i'm sure my husband didn't want to wear that would not want to wear that machine <laughs> oh yeah i mean i have seen hulk of like characters and personalities just give up and cry yeah. and you know sob for hours after they <laughs> they went through i think 25% of the pain oh goodness yeah because uh, th- i think there is a law in many countries that you know those machines uh, those machines cannot uh, inject more than 25% oh. of pain <laughs> because then it becomes <laughs> uh, it it's considered as um, um, i think it's illegal oh my goodness well yeah. then <laughs> yeah well so it's then. just 25% and they're tapping out yeah so le- yeah let them feel 100% then yeah they can be women why not oh my goodness <laughs> Yeah that's yeah. Your, that's your choice whatever you want to say but the reality is this is reality. Yes. Women yeah. you cannot re- you cannot replace who I am as a woman because I am genetically made to make a baby and a man yes. is not genetically made to make a baby. Yeah so. I mean that that's the most ridiculous thing that I have heard from United States in a while that you know that a guy you know competed in a women's uh, uh swimming uh, competition yep, i think yep. and he just beat everyone yeah i think this issue also happened in um you know mix uh, mma ufc yes mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's it, it, it's really ridiculous because see up up because a man will have all advantage over a woman in physical sport and there is no advantage for a woman to be in a you know let's say in in men's division mm-hmm. it's like it's a so we started out with saying equality mm-hmm. right now we are saying it's just open game for everyone anyone yeah. can be anyone then it's yeah I, i they've lost the whole concept from the very beginning and they've just made yeah. it i don't know again then i'm sorry about our country okay did you see this <laughs> that you know there is a lgbt community forum on reddit so uh, you know one of the guys just went in there to cause mayhem he said that you know if the b in lgbt stands for bisexual doesn't that mean there is only two genders and he got banned oh <laughs> boom that's a mic drop situation there yeah he got permanently banned oh. <laughs> and he was like yeah look at this now oh good because yeah i think that is a really sad situation that uh, your country has to go through it <laughs> hopefully it never comes to my country <laughs> i hope so too unfortunately yeah. it's already there in the philippines so mm-hmm. good luck ganesh good luck uh, yeah <laughs> i i think indians are a little bit intolerant in terms of these kind of things that is you know playing roles and uh, gender roles and all these things <laughs> here it won't it would not go down <laughs> good that's good yeah so yeah i i hope i hope that in our audience learned something from you um you know throughout this episode because it was really you know enlightening for us because a lot of men lack this knowledge 
of you know like ppd and you know like this issues that are overlooked in society and also coming from a person like you you know who has knowledge of medicine and nutrition at the same time i think <clears throat> there would not be a better person or better qualified person than you to talk about this so thank you very much for being on the show and you know helping us understand these issues ganesh thank you i also appreciate the time and opportunity to share my story and um, be able to impact at least one life out there listening to yes. this. Yeah, I mean, uh, that is what I, I also truly want. Just I just want to impact one person. And if that one person says, you know, I learned something from this, um, I think it's a time well spent and well invested. Mm. Uh, so guys, this is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for hanging on for so long. <laughs> if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email us, you know, and you will find all the details below. And uh, Mikael, if, if people want to reach you, how could they reach you? Yeah, so if they want to reach us, our website is isifit2717.com. You can email mm -hmm. us, subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to all the social media um, platforms, except for TikTok. We also mm -hmm. took ourselves off of TikTok for many reasons, but Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, we are there. Mm -hmm. Just look at, look at Iron Sharpens Iron Fitness. Got it. I think TikTok won't be an issue here because in India, anyway, it's banned. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> you're not losing all. You're not losing audience because of TikTok. Don't worry about it. Thank and you. of course, I will include the, I will include your website uh, link in the episode description Sounds so great. that people can check it out. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you very much. And until next time, be peaceful. Don't fight. Be human. And ta ta. Bye bye.